Welcome to the Sensible Center Podcast, where two middle-aged guys drunkenly talk politics and political reform. Grab an adult beverage and enjoy the show. Further information can be found at SensibleCenterPack.com. You can reach us at SensibleCenterPack at gmail.com or follow us on X at USASCPack. Bob, you there? Kevin, I haven't spoke to you in a while. Wow, this is... This is weird. We've been off for a while. We have. That was a good month, though. Yeah, we've gotten a lot on? of yeah, we've gotten a lot of emails. People looking for us. You know the 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 sensibilities. Is that who? Mm-hmm. Is that what we're calling the people who follow us? Sensibilities. Sensibilities. That's a new one. <laughs> sensibilities. Well, Taylor, I'm, I'm Taylor Swift. We're sounding like the Republican debate now. We haven't. We haven't. We haven't been on a podcast for a while. We timed it right, though. It's been a hell of a couple days. Yeah, sure. There's lots to talk about. Lots to talk about. So, uh, where you been? Uh, you were at a conference, right? I was. I was at a, a cybersecurity conference down in Florida uh, last week. Uh, lots to talk about down there. A lot of the focus was really around automation and artificial intelligence, chat GPT what it means from a law standpoint, what it means from a protecting your your business or interest standpoint, those things. It was, it was pretty interesting. Um, there were actually quite a few speakers that had a relationship uh, with Homeland Security and the NSA. Some of them worked for them or previously had worked for them. Um, we had a, a speaker there that was the chief information security officer from a major bank. Um, we had a deputy secretary from the NSA there speaking, which was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, there's really lots going on. Uh, I would have liked to go to the conference you were at, though, out in California, the Democracy Conference, but unfortunately, they, they overlapped. So the, so there wasn't much focus on, like, cyber warfare or, or anything there, like that? Yeah. So there the was Chinese- some of that, but it was very little compared to um, what, what I'd heard in the past, so... Yeah, um, no, there's, there was, some, there was some very high level talk about cyber warfare with China. Yeah, um, there wasn't a lot of detail there. Um, in the past, I think it was heavier. I think this year, really, the, the artificial intelligence is really starting to make its mark. Right. No, so that's where a lot of it was. Um, what was interesting? Some of the really interesting stuff to me was. Um, they were talking about banks and how cyber criminals have gotten smart. And what they're doing is they, they're creating a lot of accounts, right? Because if you create bank accounts, even if they're fake ones, oh, nice. and you tie them to other <laughs> bank accounts, it initiates a 75 cent transaction fee between the banks to establish the link between the accounts. Oh, nice. And they, and they know this, right? So they're doing this um, on, on mass scales. It's basically bank fraud, but if you do enough, 75 cents adds up, right? That's right. So what was interesting about that is when the Russia-Ukraine war started happening, all of a sudden they went from uh, 35% fraudulent accounts at the major banks to 95% of the accounts being created every day with fraudulent. How, how, 95%? How could of that the be? accounts being created the new accounts being created were fraudulent and here's why because russia 
started creating these accounts knowing that the banks would have to finally act and shut the activity down, which made it very hard to move money out of Ukraine. Wow. When the war started. Right? Was, so you would think not... your initial thought is, oh, they're trying to do it because they want money to fund the war. No, it was done to create. They knew, they knew the banks were going to gonna shut it down. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Ah, they're smart. Pretty smart. Yeah. <laughs> It's good. It's good that they're devious that way. Yep. But overall, I still, and this is just my opinion, right? I mean, this, and, and through some conversations I've had with people, China's a far greater risk than Russia. It's just. That I've always thought is. that too. Yeah. I, I think. I think Russia's probably more unstable and uncertain, but as far as true, long term, I mean. Russia is a, you know, a petro state basically run by oligarchs. Where China, I think, although China has some systematic issues too that I think they're going to have to deal with in the long run. And clearly, their growth is slowing now, which, you know, is going to give them some issues. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think, uh, but I don't, I don't think they're without their problems, but. I think between the two of them, I would. I think China's the bigger threat uh, than Russia. And there were some pretty interesting conversations I had, you know, personally with people. Uh, one of the things that I found interesting that's kind of stuck with me over the last couple of weeks, you know, I've always considered government to be incompetent at best, and yeah. you know, just. And fraudulent at worst. Fraudulent, <laughs> right. And someone made the comment to me that it's not necessarily, if you think about it this way, government ties to media while they look bad. Government is so incompetent with the inexperience and the young kids really run on the show for the most part. Not completely, but for the most part big special interest money, these big corporations, big lobbyists hold a lot more power over media than the government does. And there's a lot of special interest in creating these stories and the division and the unrest and the lack of trust in government. Hmm. And it's pretty, pretty interesting thought, right? Right? When you really start to think about that, it's really kind of a mind game. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't put it past anyone, mm -mm. especially when there's money involved and and special interests and everything like that. And that, make, that would make it very hard for government to function, and it yep. has. Yep. Uh, interesting. Anyway, so uh, I've been up to uh, some boating. I guess, you know, I guess I don't mind so much the global warming thing if it maintains 80 degree temperatures in October in Wisconsin. I'm thinking seeing that for years. I think of the lake. Just imagine if we had a year round boating in Wisconsin, what that would do to my my property Happiness. on the lake. I'd be happy, <laughs> I, you know. 
you know, what, what I, I I have nothing to complain about. I think that that you should just go ahead and start pumping out more carbon. Get a carbon <laughs> right. machine. Just a, just a carbon machine. As a matter of fact, I'll start that business. You can buy them for me. The first one's free. We're gonna and go. Give you we're... kickbacks for every one of your neighbors who buys one. Well, they burn. They burn everything up here. You know, this is this is burn season. So they're they're they've started burning. I saw a big fire today somewhere. They just burned everything. That's I'm, I miss I'm that. Not... It smells good this time of year with all that burning up there. Oh yeah, we got piles of. Uh, of uh, brush and whatever just sitting waiting to be burnt so uh it's that time of year and then then they start to hunt <laughs> they burn and then they hunt <laughs> so i think bow hunting's coming up soon so i gotta watch out for the bow and arrows that's uh yeah, deer deer season turkey maybe wild turkey and deer yeah exactly so i was in uh la last week uh let me tell you, those California cities are looking nice. They're, they're keeping them up. They're very in shape. A lot of outdoor living in those cities. <laughs> Evidently, the camping, they've turned to camping. I mean, huh. you can camp anywhere. It's beautiful. Were you able to, were you able to get a nice tent? <laughs> yeah, I did I did pitch, you know, a nice tent right on an Trump, underpass. At, yeah, Sunset Boulevard, maybe. <laughs> That's right. You could do whatever in the streets, you know. It's just, oh my gosh, I, I have I've not seen a city that uh, uh, dirty. And I mean, I was down, I was downtown LA, and I, I've never stayed in downtown LA before, and that was that was an interesting experience. I did I did probably more walking around than I should because you're not supposed to walk in LA to begin with, but I kind of yeah. wanted to get a feel for it and. That's what I like to do when I go to a city, so that's what I did. But did you uh, feel safe? No, not not. Well, I, I don't didn't feel unsafe, but it didn't feel. <laughs> I did kept you set my a curfew for yourself. Yes, I did. Set, I definitely <laughs> set a curfew. <laughs> definitely set a curfew for myself, and kept my head on a swivel for the most part. I didn't That's... need to be sucker punched by some uh, some guy high high out of his mind. So um, I mean, there's the thing, is that California is a well known Democrat Democrat enclave through and through. Maybe not in the valley, but in these cities. Yeah. And if you're not going to blame the Democrats for the problem, who are you going to blame? Yeah, I don't know what the strategy is. Um, I read books on it, and there's various theories, but clearly whatever experiment they're conducting now, uh, they might want to try something. They might want to try something else. Yeah. <laughs> Give them A for the effort, you know? Just, lo just let everyone do anything they want, you know? It's good. <laughs> it's not going to get better. That's the problem. Yeah, well, we'll see. So anyway, as I was out there for the American Democracy Summit, which used to be called the Unrig the System Summit, and I just realized, and Deb and I went to the first one back in 2018, um, 
and it, it was down in New Orleans, and, and uh, I think they changed the name from Unrig after the 2020 election because I think that concept, because a lot of it has to do with election reform and political reform, they didn't want to kind of hook in with that the elections yeah. are quote-unquote rigged or fixed or kind of get into that thing. So I, I kind of understand why they changed the name, but the concept is the same. So there were about a thousand, thousand attendees out there, a uh, good crowd. Basically it's kind of all the uh, different organizations that are working on primarily around um, election reform and that mostly opening it up to more, uh, more people involved in the electoral process, more people able to run uh, kind of hoping to, to not break down the two-party system, but offer people alternatives, more alternatives. So there's, there's a lot of good concepts coming out of that. Um, and basically all the groups were kind of meeting, saying what they were working on. Uh, and we'll have, I've made connections with several groups, and we'll have some of them on the podcast in the coming months to kind of talk about what their organization was working on. Um, you know, as I was listening to it, the problem with part of this is that, um, unfortunately, I think some of this stuff is viewed as sort of a left-wing movement. Um, clearly, I think there's more democratic and liberal involvement in some of these movements than uh, conservative involvement. So I think you know, five years ago, I kind of had the feeling that they have to be careful with some of these because it should be bipartisan because everyone should want more choice and better elections and and all of that. But I think somehow it's sort of getting boxed into a, a liberal sort of agenda. Um, and definitely there's a bit of, of wokeness in some of these um these groups that um because what are they, they're looking to do is expand the electorate getting better representation which is all good which is what americans should be but again i think that's sort of now with the polarization that we see is kind of viewed more as a um as a liberal uh agenda because i spoke with somebody who's trying to i think i mentioned it to you kind of a hundred percent voting, so making it a civic duty to vote. Um, yeah, that yeah, was what right, they were. I, I kind of challenged and, that as unconstitutional. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, we'll get her on the podcast to kind of explain what she's trying to do. Um, great. Um, I don't think they're planning on forcing people, but kind of just um, trying to get various cities and and states to kind of adopt that kind of theory. Evidently, they do it in Australia. Um, at this point in foreign countries, it's more common. Um, so did anybody there make mention as you did of the cleanliness of the streets and all the chaos? No, going not on at all. Right no, not, a, not at all. Yeah. And see that, I mean, maybe that's not what the conference was about. No, it wasn't. Right. But, but I still kind of see that as very obviously right around you, there's all kinds of chaos because of bad policy and nobody makes mention of it. That's that to me is a little suspect. That said, I don't doubt, and I did spend some time on the website today, actually, 
I wish I could have gone out there with you, but I spent some time on the site today just kind of looking over it, scouring it, trying to figure out what they're about. And having done that, well, I can understand where you're coming from saying they're kind of lean a little bit more liberal because of what they are, and I did gather that from the site. Right. I also gather that the cause is noble. Oh, yeah. I I, I wouldn't be there and, and if I thought that everyone wasn't trying to try to make this a, a better country and more and more fair and more free and kind of end the gridlock and polarization. I think, I think everyone's got that st sort of view that the, the system appears to be broken. Uh, and then it's sort of, everyone's sort of pushing, um, trying different things. Like I said, there's not one overall organization of trying to coordinate this. They put on this convention to say, and, and some of the hot topics in this convention were ranked choice voting and they're getting, they're getting traction. I mean, they're getting states and municipalities to sign up for this stuff. And there's definitely, uh, and we'll talk about open primaries, uh, later in the podcast and they're good, which they're doing now in California and several other States. Um, ranked choice voting sort of, we talked about democracy dollars, sort of, um, publicly funded elections versus getting money from private interests. There's an organization that several organizations, but there was one primary one that's seeking to get a constitutional amendment in regards to campaign finance and money in politics, uh, which we talked about on a couple podcasts ago. And I'm, we'll hopefully get the organizations called American promise. So hopefully we'll get, um, I talked with a, a director there. Hopefully we'll get him on the podcast to kind of explain. They've got an adoption um, of a non-binding resolution in 22 states saying they want Congress to adopt this amendment. Um, open primaries. So those were some of the things. Um, they also had, unfortunately, the 2020 election was such a <laughs> sort of a shock to the system uh, that I think a lot of they had several secretaries of state there. They had the secretary of state of Michigan, uh, I think Maine and Maryland there. Uh, they were talking about the 2020 election and the, and the challenges, especially the secretary of state of Michigan. She's been on CNN a lot. Um, and then they had the guy who was responsible for the elections in, in Maricopa County, Arizona. They talked about all the threats, the physical violence that <laughs> has been threatened against them. The guy from Maricopa County is actually going around the country uh, and participating in lawsuits suits against the people who had threatened him, uh, which is good because they got to have pushback. But it seemed like the first day was at least focused in on okay, we have to defend the system we have right now, right? That we have to make sure 2024 is locked and secured and our election officials feel safe and we don't lose a lot of them, which then will cause additional uncertainty around the election. So uh, they're smart people. Uh, they expect many challenges. Um and it seems like they're they're preparing for it, but I think a lot of them would rather not 
it's it's sort of a job they didn't sign up for or didn't expect because we always thought elections are sort of boring and now they've <laughs> they've kind of become a little bit more uh, interesting um, but they did say and I'm going to do it here they said contact your local election official if you have questions they, they said a lot of the conspiracy comes out on that people really don't know how elections are run they said contact your local election official usually they'll be happy to tell you how what they do and get involved in their local election so you you know i mean they're always looking for v- volunteers or uh, poll watchers especially at the polling places yeah exactly so I, i'm going to do that here um because I, I think it's important that we get involved and that we know about it. Because otherwise, it's it's a little bit of a black box, right? Um, and so we we should know how it works. Uh, I thought that was a good idea. A uh, couple interesting things that came up. Uh, these quotes that came up. They said the greatest fake news. These were a, a couple of spoken word artists. The, the greatest fake news is that we play for two different teams. Which, again, is kind of what we've been talking yeah, about here. We agree with that. That's um, what this is about, right? Interestingly, they also said who we elect matters. We could do all these movements, but we shouldn't make the elected officials necessarily always the bad guys. Because we should, part of what our PAC is looking at is electing people who are for these reforms, right? Because at the end of the day... You need them to to work with you to adopt a lot of it, um, unless you're going to do a sort of a constitutional amendment, or if there's an ability to do. I mean, some of it. Some states allow ballot initiatives, which is a good way to get some of the reforms through, because you just put it to the electorate rather than having to go through the the legislature or local council. Um, so that that's helpful. But they're like, don't forget about the elected officials. You should pay attention to who you're electing and people who are open to some of these reforms. Uh, interestingly enough, <laughs> I don't know why, but when I talk to people about reform, the first thing they always mention is term limits. Nobody is working on that. <laughs> That's didn't, hear, didn't hear anyone speak of term limits. And I, I kind of wonder next why. next year we should be speakers. Yeah, maybe we should just go, you know, do a term limits thing. Yeah. I think limits. it's, yeah, nobody's really pushing that. And I don't know, I never got why. I mean, there's no one to ask because there's no one coordinating it. But as far as the organizations, as Deep far state. as anything I heard, and maybe I'll do a search to see if there's anyone out there pushing that issue. But um, It's a deep state. But, it's the deep state. It's the deep state conspiracy. Um, and then, and then I, I, I said to you, I, I met. Well, I didn't meet him. I stopped him as a, I was going out to the food trucks as he was walking in. Uh, Mr. Andrew Yang, who's. Uh, he's, I'm jealous. That'd be yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was cool. It's much, not as tall as I thought he would be. I'm actually. He's Asian. <laughs> that's true. I didn't put that together. <laughs> that's true although there's some there's was that tall asian basketball player there's you're probably right though um but yeah it was it was cool meeting him and as as i said you correct me up i 
I ran in him actually two more times. Once in the bathroom, I was walking in and he was washing his hands. I'm like, do I say anything here? That's like, why didn't you, why didn't you talk to him? I'm like, and, and I mentioned that that was the second time. And I thought, you know, I might, he might be creeped out that I'm some, some Yang, uh, Yang gang member. And you, you obviously funnily said that that would be the, the Wang Yang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's nowhere better than to meet Andrew Yang in the bathroom and make a Wang Yang joke. <laughs> I know. I, I you gave it to me like five minutes me after I met him. <laughs> I guess I'm part of the wing. Yeah, game now. And then you high five him. <laughs> and high five, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if I was standing next to the urinal with him, that would have done it. But yeah. he was washing his hands. But <laughs> I didn't think quickly enough. I'm sure you would have done it, Bob. I, I, I thought about it. I don't know if I actually would or not, but it, it would have crossed my mind at the time. I probably would have embarrassed myself standing next to him in the bathroom, just laughing about it. And he'd been like, who the hell is this guy? And what's the problem? <laughs> and then he had a, he had a good quote. He said, uh, the worst number of parties that you could have political parties is one. The second worst is two. <laughs> that was his quote, which He's I thought right. was a pretty good one. Right. He's right. Uh, and then somebody said, and this is kind of... Although zero would trump all. Zero would oh, trump not all. intended. Yeah. No political uh, parties. Somebody said, our nation is like a beautiful girl that cuts herself daily. Which is kind of depressing. I don't know. Do, do I leave it on a higher note than that? Oh, they said, basically everyone said... Uh, um, the general theory is, as far as campaign finance, that transparency, transparency is a good thing, but basically transparency is a joke given all the dark money, um, mm -hmm. which uh, no one had a perfect solution for at this point. And every, it's just the general consensus was from people I talked with in the, 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 um, the sessions I went to, I don't think anyone's happy with what's going on as far as the two choices we're being presented with in the, in the presidential election, there wasn't any rah, rah, Biden's the best or rah, rah, Trump's the best. They were like, how is this happening? And, and I think the conclusion was it basically it shows, how, shows how broken our system is. Um, and we could talk about what happened today in the, in the house to further indicate how broken the system is. But, how could we have 70 to 80% of the electorate not happy with either of the choices that were being given here? And, and it doesn't appear that anything's going to be done about it. Um, so I think, I think it was a very good conference. Hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll uh, be able to attend the next one. But uh, we'll get some of the people on with some of the reform movements uh and go from there uh what do you want to talk about next we have rfk we got the debate i've got i've got a, a letter from no labels i'd like to read that i got in my email box today uh, i think a logical transition would either be what happened today with mccarthy yeah. or going into the open primary discussion okay so let's talk about what happened uh i guess over the weekend and quickly 
uh, happened today, which I was surprised how quickly everything moved. Uh, so I, I, I woke up on Sunday morning, I think it was, because I, I was sure there was going to be a shutdown um, and canceled plans to go to, my, to the national parks in uh, the Upper Peninsula this week because I felt for sure there was going to be a shutdown. And then McCarthy cut a deal uh, with the Democrats, which then led to, I, I kind of thought it would be a, I don't know, did you think it was a bit good political move on either part at that point to do the stopgap uh, funding or what's your, what was your thought on that? I, generally, I knew it was going to happen. I know it looked a little more unusual than or risky than in the past, but it always happens. They always figure out a way to give more money at the last minute. So I really wasn't surprised. It's happened with every budget and every close to shutdown that I, you know that I can remember. I know we've had a few days shut down here or there, but for the most part, it always goes through. Um, that it honestly really didn't surprise me. And part of that, a large part of that, getting approved was through help of Democrats, which is what oh, really yeah. surprised me today because I think the Democrats missed a huge opportunity today. That's what I was by saying. Not helping McCarthy. I, I was really surprised. And, I, you know, I talked to Deb. I, like, I think the Democrats could really change it up here, change the dynamic. And then they came out, you know, they caucused and Jeffries came out and said, Basically, we don't trust them because at the end of the day, it was the Democrats that and I mean, Lauren Boebert didn't even vote to vacate him. Right. I mean, there was eight Republicans and the rest Democrats just kicked the Republican Speaker of the House out. So and I think McCarthy believed that, too, because he started the day confident that he was going to be fine and in office just the way he was talking. And then as the day went on, you could tell it was just a little more shaky. But, yeah, they missed a huge opportunity. They could have gained some sway with him, had an opportunity to push more of their agenda through to the Senate, and then really stick it to the hard right and say, see, you know, your, your hard right agenda and your hard right attitude and my way or the highway doesn't work. And as a result of it, the Democrats won. I mean, it just it would have been a huge fundraising opportunity a huge mess messaging opportunity and they just dropped the ball on it. I can't believe it. Um, it, it, it was also an opportunity for them to create more discontent and division among the GOP and their voting base. Cause the voting base who were funding these kind of the right, far right, if you will, dissidents, or I'm going to call them independent right dissidents that are a little further from the core of the party. Um, it would have really angered them and the people that are funding them in their base. And I just, I, I'm kind of surprised. That's how I expected it to go the whole day when I woke up this morning and said the Dems are going to vote, keep McCarthy in office, and then McCarthy will be working with the, uh, you know, it'll, it'll blunt the, the far right and, it'll, and he'll be working with the president for the next year and a half. Didn't happen. So I guess the question is in regards to is is there something that we're missing here? <laughs> Assuming that the Democrats are idiot idiots and miss this opportunity, let's just 
let's take that as a premise, rightly or wrongly. <laughs> is there something that we're missing? That this is a good political strategy for them to kind of just, I mean, it is sort of letting the Republicans hang in the wind, right? Sure. Again, yeah, it'll right? be, I mean, now the Republicans are going to have a hard time getting the next one passed, the next budget passed, let alone getting a speaker passed. I don't know how they're going to do that. So do you think this puts the Democrats in a better negotiating? I, I'm like, shouldn't they just say, okay, we're going to give you a list of five. Turn to the moderate Republicans, which is everyone except for probably 20 or 25 part of the Maybe freedom crossroads or whatever and say here are five people that we think we can work with you vote for them you bring them up we're going to vote for them too we didn't like McCarthy we didn't trust them there was too many bird bridges but here's a list of five Republicans that we think we can work with I don't know if this is going on beyond closed doors but you think that would that would make sense to me if, if that was their ultimate strategy is to kind of use their leverage saying, we're not going to let you hang in the wind. Uh, we didn't, we didn't like McCarthy. You need to come. We that need might to come work. up with somebody else. I, I don't know if that's, I doubt that's what's going to happen. I, I do wonder if <laughs> because it's, that makes too know, much it, sense. It, it, it lets Biden, it takes some of the pressure off Biden because the story for the next, the foreseeable future is going to be what's going on in the house rather than the economy and, and Biden's failures and inability to speak a sentence. So that that's kind of how I see it. That's my, the way my brain goes is look at the left hand while the right hand's doing something else sort of thing. Um, we'll see. It's going to be very interesting. But at the end of the day, McCarthy created this on his own because he to get the speakership he he agreed to it right which the again the democrats could have saved him from right all it took was 10 democrats or whatever yeah and they could have saved them from agreeing to these these provisions that that the extreme of his party it's just i don't know what anyone gets out of it Here's what's interesting to me. The Republicans that are really causing the issues, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Getz, the other ones, they're making more money, and it's well documented, off of social media than big business. Their constituents, probably others outside of their constituency, are donating to these individuals and their campaigns are making more money off of them than other candidates make off of big business. So it really is about what the people want and are arguing for that are driving this behavior and it's emboldening them. And we as a pack are arguing against the influence of lobbyists Right. And big business. So in a way, on a small, limited scale, this is what you're going to get. 
Now, when it expands to everybody, make the assumption that things get spread out a little bit and the candidates will be more in the middle. But I think you also see some of this on the left with AOC, for instance, and the squad and others on the left. A large portion of their funding comes through social media influence. So they're not uh, beholden they, to anyone, but they're... They're not. But they could still be extreme, you're saying, because they've appealed exactly. to ex- extreme segments. And the only way around that is to be to get to put them in the corner, right? Because the country's divided fairly equally. So both parties, and this is what we call the sensible center, need to isolate their extremes. And they just can't seem to get to do that. And part of it is the system set up to not reward that because they're fearing that they're going to be primaried or whatnot. Um, within, so they want to retain power. Sure. They want to retain their position, which is part of the problem. If there were term limits or some of these other things, the, they wouldn't the primary have threat is less though. That. When you've got more money than everybody else, and it's coming from social media or you know your individuals rather than big business. Agreed. I mean, I mean, and that that's an interesting way to fundraise, and that's an interesting way to. I mean, it it would it appears more democratic, and but again, like you said, they're not really beholden to anybody, but their constituents, and yet they could still be an extreme, probably more extreme, by doing that, right? Sure. Um, Although, granted, I think if you look at what Matt Getz wants, I don't think it's that extreme. He wants to stop funding a war that. You know, we've, you mentioned the problems in L.A. and other towns. We've got these huge problems here we need to solve, and money may or may not help, depending on how it's used. But we're sending billions, if not trillions, overseas to fund a war, which is funding debt. There's a various, very obvious problem at the border, and the, that problem is so bad now. You've got states like New York and Illinois saying things like, oh, don't come here. We can't handle you when a year and a half ago they were saying, we welcome everybody. We're a sanctuary state. We're a sanctuary city. See what's happening here, right? And I don't think what Matt and these six individuals in the GOP are asking is unreasonable. Fix the border. Stop sending money overseas. And figure out spending, right? And we're going to get to it later. But the GDP is becoming a major issue. Uh, In two days, or one day, we had a record day recently. Total U.S. debt rose by $275 billion in a single day. That's according to Zero Hedge, to a record $33.4 trillion. And much of that is just simply because interest rates have risen so far. $275 billion in a day. All these people are saying is, let's figure this out. It's not that extreme. They sound and seem extreme because it's so different than what the parties, both parties, are saying. Let's just continue to do the same thing we've always done. Nobody's solving it. And they've got an opportunity to solve it, and that's what they're trying to do. So you're you're viewing Matt as a problem solver? He's, yes. He's you're taking the lead and trying that- to solve it. You're saying the issues that he's bringing up 
Although he wants outsized power, right? Or, or no. You're saying he just wants the ability to... He, he wants he wants somebody to address these issues. And he's upset they didn't get addressed when McCarthy passed a continuing resolution. But he is only... And now he's... They are only 10 votes, right? Or 20 votes? They seem to be somewhat effective, though. Well, or ineffective. I don't know. Yeah, no, <laughs> Doesn't it, seem it, like much is getting done. And the next election isn't too terribly far away either. So they, their numbers could grow. Their numbers could shrink. It'll be interesting. The next month and a half is going to be interesting. And then the next year and a half is going to be interesting. We'll see what happens. I mean, you you have to believe that he and that group has solutions, or do they? Because what's interesting to me about all of this is this unrest and this uh, unsurety of what is going to happen over the next forty-five days is just going to make interest rates rise further, which is going to hurt the amount of interest on our debt that's happening further. And it has a very real risk of tanking the economy further, putting a lot more stress on banks. And of course, those that need the banks to borrow money, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And, and the Fed sooner or later might have to step in as well, because that, as you know, you, you can see the, the bonds falling in value, right? Yields are going way up. So the, whole thing is really i mean it's it's an interesting place in time and if you really look at market dynamics right now there's a lot of first times in history going on and mccarthy today was a first time in in our history that a speaker's been removed like that hey bob now that we've talked about interest rates and have a depressing story about the whole financial future of the country uh and the markets uh Let's talk about what we're drinking, because I'm, I'm drinking, uh, you know, what a uh, high school teenager would be drinking uh, at this time of year. I'm drinking Cinnamon Blast Captain Morgan's. It, it, I, condolences to your morning. <laughs> I'm probably drinking more of it. It says, it's. I think it's, you're supposed to drink it in shots. <laughs> I'm just drinking it over the rocks like it's like it's a fine bourbon. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and it wasn't open, so I've, I've been drinking quite a bit of it. <laughs> but my you breath, steal, you my steal that from gonna... someone on the streets of Los Angeles last week? <laughs> <laughs> I might. <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it was common there. Or you, did you just loot a liquor store with uh, the crowd? You just went along with everybody else? That's right, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but my breath, my breath is going to be nice and <laughs> nice and cinnamon flavored. <laughs> I can smell that all the way down in Tennessee. It's got a little heat to it. It's got a little heat. <laughs> so I'm, I'm living high off the hog here. What what do you got? I'm sure actually, it's not cinnamon blast. No, I'm I'm, I'm actually drinking uh, some Rock Hill Farms, which is a Buffalo Trace bourbon. 
kind of a rare release. Used to be a little easier to find, not so easy Rock to Hill find Farms. anymore. I've never heard of that one. Yeah, it's um, it's got a nice decanter, bottle, crystal, with uh, some white print horses and trees on it. Look it up. It's uh, it's not dissimilar from Blanton's. I believe it's the same blend. It's just a different spot in the warehouse, maybe considered to be a little higher. More upscale from a Blanton's. I'll get you a pour sometime. Does it taste like cinnamon at all? Uh, it does not. <laughs> See, I got so maybe you. this I next one on will. That. Try again. I got you on that. <laughs> maybe just go brush my teeth and it'll be the same thing. <laughs> that's, that's, it does taste like toothpaste a little bit. <laughs> uh, I've run a, I've... That reminds me when I was a kid. I don't know how old I was. I couldn't have been very old. My cousin and I used to go down behind my grandfather's bar and steal his vodka, and we'd take those cinnamon, like the candy cane or mint candy cane things, not the candy cane, but the, the round one, right? and drop them in there and try to get them to dissolve. And then when they wouldn't dissolve, we'd just shoot it anyway. <laughs> Man, good times. Good times. I must have had a lot of it because I... I... My my big ice cube is thoroughly melted by now. Maybe it's just the heat coming from the cinnamon blast. <laughs> I don't know what percent of alcohol this is, but uh, two percent too too high. Huh? All right, um, let's see where we're at. Uh, let's talk about open primaries. So, do do you understand the concept? Do you, do you understand all the different kinds of primaries there are? I do. Um, what I wanted to kind of ask is for you to define open primary, though, for those who were talking or who, who might be listening. Because right. um, when I think about an open primary, I want to go to the extreme. But open primary is actually in – there's a lot of definitions out there. Um, and so I want, I want you to go ahead and just specify what, what your idea of an open primary is first, and then we can go from there. Yeah, I think there's different uh... – graduation graduate granularity within open and closed but basically the idea of a closed is you have to be a registered member of a party to vote in the primary so if i'm voting a democratic primary i have to be a registered with the state election or your local election commission i have to be a registered democrat and conversely registered republican Open primary would be truly open that anyone could vote. You can only vote in one primary, but you could vote if you're an independent, you could vote for a Republican. If you're a Democrat, you could vote for Democrat or Democrat or Republican. If you're a Democrat, you could vote for an independent. It's all mixed up, but there's just... There's individual primaries, but um, you don't have to be affiliated or registered with a party to vote in that primary. So that's kind of the open and closed. And then there's partially open, partially closed, open to unaffiliated voters. So if you're if you're an independent uh, and it's closed and um, there's not like a third party candidate that allows you to vote in the primary. 
you're basically not voting in a primary, right? Yep. Uh, which is a problem. There's partially, like I said, there's partially open, partially closed, which then, you know, allows, some of them allows unaffiliated voters to participate in one of the other primaries. Um, uh, and then beyond that, and what we talked about in the, in the um, democracy summit was too much, too much cinnamon blast for me was um, yeah ways to go here <laughs> i'm losing i'm losing Throw it, a little bob. red bull in there I'm, I'm losing it bob um what we talked about was within the open primaries now there's uh several states have top two primaries they call them or top four and this is kind of the idea generally everyone thinks that we should have open primaries rather than closed because then it allows sort of more movement between the parties, especially the idea of a closed primary that you have to be a registered to a party to vote in the primary. And we could talk about the pluses and minuses because clearly there are some. Um, but generally, I think the theory is the more open, the better. And the two top two and top four are sort of the most open. So in a top two primary, which they have in California, now this is just for state, local, and congressional elections. It's not part of the presidential election. So in California, Democrats, Republicans, and Independents run on the same primary. There's no Republican ticket. There's no Democratic ticket. And then it's similar to how a lot of cities and municipalities run their primaries i think uh, chicago does this way where everyone's just on the same ticket and the top two it's sort of a runoff type of system the top two then go to a runoff so you could have and there's not that many states that do this so the top two right now and most of it's happened within the last five to ten years i think California's first top two election was in 2012, and the session I attended was uh, with a bunch of professors, political science professors and researchers that have kind of looked at what this has done to the legislature and, the, and within the elections, and we, we could talk about what their findings were. But basically California, Louisiana, Washington, and Nebraska – so a, a pretty good mix of red and blue states um, have top two. And then one has top four, which is Alaska. So, I'd like to see a an open primary. Vote for one Democrat, vote for one Republican. You get to vote on both. You get vote for one independent or whoever's on the ballot. That's fine. That's how I look at it because I'm looking at it from like, football standpoint it's as much fun to cheer for your most hated team or cheer against your most hated team as it is to cheer for your favorite team right and so there's involvement there i love on sunday i watch more football because i like to watch people lose than i would if i just wanted to watch my team <laughs> i would be much more involved if i could go to the poll and vote for a person on the other side that I thought gave my favorite candidate the best chance to win. 
I would absolutely love it. It would have me more involved. I can go there and I can pull the lever for a guy on the left. I can pull a guy, the lever for a, a lady in the Green Party. I could pull a lever for a libertarian. I could pull the lever for someone on the right. Vote for them all. Get all those and whoever wins, then you get into that general election. And it's almost like ranked choice voting at that point, right? Because you've got ranked choice voting naturally through the primary process. And then if you can't even pass ranked choice voting in the general election, at least you've got a, a wider pool of candidates more involved. So you're that suggesting top two stuff concerns me because in that case, if you just get more Democrats or more Republicans to vote in your state, they've got a corner on the market. Well, we'll we'll talk about how that how that pairs out. But what you're talking about, nobody's doing. You're saying have each party run their own primary and then everyone everybody can vote, vote in each of them. Absolutely. I, I, that's a new concept, Bob. We could start a whole organization uh, on that. Think about I, that. Uh, I don't know if I, there's, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's the greatest thing because let's say you're a Democrat, right? You're going to vote for the best Democrat. And then you get the vote in the Republican. So you're going to pr probably vote for the weakest candidate and the Republican and the independent, right? And vice Correct. versa. Those people are going to, if you're an independent and you don't like, now this is assuming people have party affiliations. If you're an independent, you might want to vote for the third party candidate and vote for the weakest Republican, the Democratic candidate, right? Right. I would think that would favor, assuming that I'm, I've got some data here that says almost 50% of people are considered independent now. Um, so you'd think that would really favor an independent, right? Because if the independents all vote for in the independent primary, if they've got bigger numbers than the individual primaries, individual parties, they can sort of rig the general election, right? Potentially. Okay. But you still have to have that general election. So, so... And I wouldn't call it rigged. I would call it something along the lines of what ranked choice voting would be, which is pretty fair. Both yes, for your preferred a, candidate. It's, it's sort of, but I think ranked choice is typically everyone's together. Which and is keep more, in mind, too. I which mean, is more the top, top four, the top two um and then there's different rounds in the rank choice to kind of get the, the candidate um if you think about it so if you're a gop voter and you stated you'd vote for the weakest democrat candidate right but does that really make sense or would you want to vote for the democrat candidate that aligns to your ideals the most that may be the weakest Democrat candidate, or it may just be somebody that aligns to your ideals the most. And if that's the case, then in theory, when you get to the general election, you've just got better candidates all around. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it I guess I mean, you lean left. It's, if you I were to vote right now, who would you vote for if you had to vote for somebody in the GOP in that? In that position would it be ada hutchinson who doesn't have a, a shot 
Would it be Nikki uh, Haley? That I'd probably more... vote for Nikki Haley right now if I was going to vote in the. In the mm, by far, she's not the weakest candidate, right? And I did, I did vote uh, in the last election, and I pulled a Republican primary ticket. And I, so I have voted, even though I would generally vote, have in the past several elections generally voted Democratic. I did pull a Republican ticket because I wanted a reasonable Republican candidate. Yeah. Um, and you got your wish. Yeah, right. <laughs> what, a, what, what, what dimension are you living in? <laughs> So your your concept is very interesting, Bob, and we'll we'll research that concept with open primary, but that's not what anyone's doing. So let's talk about at least what some states are doing, which is the top two and the top four. So basically, the idea, uh, so one, everyone can vote in it, right? Yeah. So independence, which is which is good, right? So. This is a way to um, to lessen polarization. So the idea is sort of at least to get around the gerrymandering issue a little bit. The idea is the the districts are so and even in in the state legislature because the maps are drawn in such a way that. There's Republican strongholds and Democrat strongholds, right? A lot of the elections, the primary determines the candidate, right? Either they run unopposed or they run against the other party and the election's not closed. For a good 70 to 80% of the district, it's not a competitive race. You, you, do, you, do you agree with that? I think that's... Absolutely. Yep. Okay. So... Given that system, and that's what they found in California, and this this was actually under Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger pushed pushed for this two top two primary system. So given that, given that that's the way the maps are drawn, and we haven't gotten around that issue yet, wouldn't it be better to have, um, if it's a Democratic, let's say it's a Democratic district, have two Democrats then run in the general election versus having a Republican alternative. And then everyone could vote for which of the two Democrats they like. Or conversely, it's a Republican district. You have the two top Republicans and everyone could vote for it. Wouldn't that then moderate, and it, and it does, just think about it, moderate who becomes the elected official they've become less extreme because in the system where you've got a locked district and you're a republican your incentive is to go as extreme as you can right yeah and then Gen in the well, general, then in the it general depends election, on where your funding's coming from too well but i think that's generally because they talk about well, we're going to primary this guy because he's a, he's a rhino or, or the Democrats, you know, they're not extreme enough. Basically, 
it lends to extremism and polarization when you don't have to worry about a general election. But now that Republican, assuming that the, the next candidate down, he's going to be running against another Republican in the general election. And he's that they have to appeal to everyone in the general election, where the Democrats would probably usually vote for the Democratic guy, right? Even though they're going to lose. I'm a Democrat. I'm going to vote for the Democrat and the general yep. versus, oh, I've got two Republicans. I'm going to vote for probably the more moderate of the two Republicans. See how that could. Uh, and, they have and, to find they have to find the equilibrium between each other in order to get the most votes. That's what it comes right. down to. Yeah. So I think I think. Generally, if you're if you're going to assume that the gerrymandering issue is not going to be overcome soon, and I, the researchers basically said, in the session, they found about I don't. They said there's measures for polarization, and they said generally they found about twenty percent less polarization within the California legislature, and there's not as much gridlock after they instituted this system. Um, however, and there was a guy in the session who was an independent, he pointed out it still hasn't opened it up to independent candidates. It's still prim almost always have just either a Democrat, all Democrat or all Republican. Usually, um, sometimes there's still a Democrat and Republican at the top two. I think the idea of the top four might be better which is what Alaska's doing, or top three, where you'd have the top three or four in the primary, which might include an independent, then goes um, into the general election. Uh, Take the parties off the ballot altogether. I, I like that idea, too. No D, no R on the ballot. No, no independent. Know who you're voting for. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a way around it, too. But basically, the, the idea behind the open primaries in this top four system is to moderate uh, some of the polarization, hopefully get more people involved. They said, uh, you know, once you look at open elections, there's more people voting, there's more engagement um, because you allow the independence, um, and especially when you do that open, they said the... There's been more equal representation uh, within um, the different uh, groups and minority groups and whatnot. So I think it's generally a good thing. Uh, the downside of it, like you said, um, in regards to then you really don't have a choice in the general election. But um, I guess what I would ask is, and you mentioned California. So the thought is that you need to campaign to the middle. The question would be, is California, since they enacted this law, come more to the middle, or have they gone more to the extreme? On the outside, it looks like they're more extreme. Yeah, I don't that think said, so. On the surface, I'm, I'm all for open primaries, but again, I kind of lean towards let everybody vote in every primary. And... That's the thing. Open primaries, I think, are a great idea. Absolutely. I just think they need to be tweaked to the point of, 
you know, one and two in a very liberal district, like you said, that's going to, it's a, it's a loss. But then again, Alaska with the four, actually Alaska seems like, I mean, they don't, senators from Alaska and representatives from Alaska don't seem to make a ton of waves. Granted, Murkowski has been in the news here and there. Yeah. But, um, I mean, Alaska is probably an example of of a more center result, where I think California may be the opposite. Because California's definitely moved further left over the last 10, 20 years. They used to vote Reagan. They voted for Reagan. They did vote for Reagan. They used to have Republican governors, yep. I wonder why that is. Why do you think that is? You think technology, the the tech industries? I mean, that's something that's kind of grown um, since the Reagan I, days, right? Yeah, I think the liberal arts have a, a heavier influence there, and liberal artists generally lean further to the left. That's part of it. But um, I'm just wondering what's changed in the in the, yeah. the state. That it's kind of swung, like you said. Um, Logic would probably say money. It's where the money goes. Right, the tech tech industry is generally viewed as sort of a a left-leaning, and that's kind of grown since since the you know early '80s a lot within California. So maybe that maybe that's driving it, Um, and especially since. That's San Francisco based, closer to Sacramento, so maybe they have more influence. I would think that historically, I think the more conservative elements were sort of Orange County and sort of some of the suburbs Out in around the valley. LA. Yeah, around LA. Um, and maybe they've had less. Because you think of the defense contractor industry around LA, um, maybe they're not as powerful as the tech now. Um, as far as money and funding for for elections, especially kind of statewide elections, so really is interesting. Everyone's interested you, in California if, politics. So if you think about it, I mean, it's not that different from Texas. Texas now has a lot of tech. They're, they've got a lot of wide open space. California's got a lot of wide open space. Yep, they've got a lot of influence from the southern border. So let's talk a little bit about uh, candidates. Did, uh, did you see uh, Bill Maher come back? Did you see DeSantis? Did. did you see DeSantis? I, I, I actually, I started to like DeSantis. I don't know why. I thought that was a great segment. I must be, I must be really hard up for a good Republican alternative. If I'm, if Ron DeSantis, I thought he, I, I, I haven't liked him in the debates at all. But in that discussion with Bill Maher, he came across as little bit of per, little bit personable, a uh, little bit more humble, a little bit uh, more reasonable than I would have expected. And but he also of, got his point across, right? I mean, he was pretty forceful when Bill was questioning on a, him on a few things. And I'm sorry, I wasn't quite prepared for this. I didn't realize we we're going to talk about it today, but. Um, he kind of shot back at Bill and said, no, no, wait, wait, wait. 
he made his point, and I thought he did it effectively. But I also saw some of that awkwardness in him. He had a little bit of everything, DeSantis. I mean, there were some points where he was a little awkward, like he is in the debates. Yeah. But he did also seem comfortable, and he was well-prepared and got his points across. And I think that's probably an environment where it's a one-on-one interview where DeSantis has probably always done pretty well. A uh, small audience there rather than a, a large audience, either in front of a big crowd um, at a debate or a big crowd at a rally sort of thing. So, yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I, I mean, clearly he and Bill have, especially what Bill's been harping on as far as the wokeness and the political who's he's been harping on for that for 30 years, and then the vaccine mandates, and so I they're aligned on those two things. So uh, Bill clearly didn't, he impressed them on a couple things, but I, I think it was generally a good uh, showing for DeSantis, much better in, in the debates, and we could talk a little bit about the debate, which I thought was a an extreme train wreck, kind of probably the worst debate I've ever seen. I don't know how much you saw of it, but um, I just... Yeah, don't... I was at that conference, and I didn't get to watch much yeah, of it. Yeah, I mean, just a lot of talking over each other. Probably the most poorly moderated debate I've ever seen. Um, they need to get the numbers down, unfortunately, uh, to have some real discussion, I think. I think DeSantis came across okay, but in debate, he tends to just kind of use snippets from his, uh, I believe, stump speeches. speeches. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't really direct and interact too much. It's sort of like, oh, here, here, I'm going to put this in, Um, where other people are interacting more. I did like, (laughs) did you hear Nikki Haley's comment about Vivek? I did. Which I, I, I thought was the best line. Uh, you know, every time I hear you speak, I feel a little dumber. <laughs> <laughs> which is a, which is a great burn for, yeah. for Vivek. Although yeah, I, of I, who I, he is and what he is, yeah. I do think Vivek, somebody pulled him aside from the last debate and said, you might want to back it off the know-it-all type of... So I think he was a little bit more... Uh, humble in this one not not generally but his hair keeps on getting higher for each debate so i don't know it's i don't a, know where I, I and i disagree with that i think you should be who you are let people see who you are and part of what people liked about him is kind of who he is i mean that's just me yeah so you don't, don't want to see a refined as... candidate no. no be who you are all right and that's the problem with that debate stage is everybody seems so manufactured. It's all marketing. Yeah, they need, to narrow, are. they need to narrow it down to, I think, three. Clearly the guy from North Dakota. Uh, hopefully, I I like Chris Christie, but, you know, this practice line on Donald Duck uh, went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> yeah, didn't care for He's it. like, all right, here, I'm going to get it. People uh, tried to promote the heck out of that on Twitter. I don't mind Team Scott, but he doesn't seem to be. You know, I just don't know where he stands on things. I just not, not getting a clear sense of him. Um, so I think if if they narrowed it down to DeSantis, Nikki, and Vivek, who I think are the top polling group anyway at this point, and let them 
fight it out a couple more times, I think they would yeah. be better off. I just don't see Donald showing up at this point to any of them. Uh, I guess DeSantis is going to uh, debate Gavin Newsom, who is who's, who's not even in the race. <laughs> but he's positioning himself just in case. It's a, it's really interesting because a lot of people have the thought that Biden's already planning on backing out, or at least his campaign's going to push him out, and and Gavin's going to be the guy. I I don't know if that's the case. I feel like Gavin's trying to position himself as best he can in case Biden decides not to run. And I really feel like he shouldn't. I feel like his family should kind of level with him and say, enough's enough. Yeah, but, somebody needs to get, I don't know who it would be. Somebody's got to get in his ear and say, uh, clearly Bill Maher tried in his summation, um, kind of saying, you know, you've done your job, time to, time to move aside. Um, yeah. You're not doing it. Comparing him to Ginsburg, which I sort of agree it's kind of you're 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 not going to achieve what you think you're going to achieve by doing this and you're actually hurting what you think you're working for um because i do think he is a a pretty weak candidate and i think the polling's starting i think the polling is between the polling and uh the impeachment hunter scenario might start waking him up to the reality of things i don't know uh, he was very reluctant to run in the first place because of family issues and whatnot. But now that he's in, <laughs> to to run to again at this it. point, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I, I, I also, if somebody wonder. asked me, I, I would have said he would have been a one term because he did it. He, you know, he I don't know if the Democrats want a primary. I do wonder if they know he's going to leave and they're just trying to wait it out so they can appoint somebody. Around the time of the convention. Yeah, I don't know. primary could get really messy. Uh, Kamala doesn't have a chance, but you know she'd want to try to run. Newsom would obviously try to run. But I really think they're afraid of somebody like, you know, a Bernie Sanders or an RFK coming in and running away with it. And there's not a lot they maybe would be able to do to combat it. So speaking of which, you you sent me that RFK is going to do an independent run which which you know that's another factor not only is it could it not be biden and trump there could be rfk there could be a no labels party running correct could be i mean it's it's either going to be and then biden or newsom even it's interesting about rfk right he's and, and to make sure we've talked about it, summarized it properly, he's announced an event in Philadelphia on October 9th. And speculation and reporting both say that he's going to announce he's going to run as the third-party candidate. It's going to happen. And so I just went out and looked at his poll numbers. He's getting about 13% as a Democrat, which is plenty to get on the debate stage in a general election debate. So you could potentially have him and Biden, and Trump up there. And it becomes very interesting because a lot of polls say RFK will actually pull some pro-Trump people over. Right. And they also say he'll pull some Biden people over. And it really becomes quite 
quite interesting on what effect he'll have. Will it be sort of like a Ross Perot thing? Um, does he have a reasonable chance of getting elected? You never know. Maybe. You don't know what's going to happen over the next six months. I think there's we're, we're sure that something strange is going to happen. Uh, does Trump get convicted? What comes of that? Does he get taken off the ballots in certain states? What comes of that? Does yep. Biden even make it all the way to the general election as a candidate? Who knows? But we do know he'll pull votes from both candidates. And which side will he pull more from? And will he affect the final result? That kind of remains to be seen. How, how will the media treat him? That'll be interesting because they've almost completely ignored him as far as the mainstream media goes to this point as a Democrat because they don't want to be pulling votes from him. But if he gets up on the debate stage in a general election debate, they really can't ignore him anymore. And I think name-dropping his father, also RFK, without the junior, and his uncle, John F. Kennedy, will absolutely and certainly have an impact on voters, I think, especially center of the aisle voters. Yeah, I I, I think I'm all for as many people running because clearly we want different choices. So, hey, if everyone, if a no labels wants to run, if a RFK wants wants to run, and let the chips fall where they may. That's, that's, that's what we should be looking at. I'd rather much have that than have to choose between Biden and Trump. And I think the electoral, the electorate is saying that from the polling data that we're getting. So let's, let's open it up. Let's, let's, let's see who gets the most. Let's have people on the debate stage and, and have an active debate rather than two guys who have been through it before that nobody is generally too excited about. Right? It's really good stuff. If you're a political junkie, I think it's oh, just it's absolutely, yeah. It's either going to be interesting. very interesting or very boring, Bob. I it, hope it's, it's not going to be boring. It's not going to you know, be boring. You think, you think it's going to be interesting? This McCarthy stuff alone, you can just kind of see where it's leading. Yeah, it's interesting. Mean, yeah, a, a shakeup would be okay, but uh, it's always be careful what you wish for. A couple of other things. I think you mentioned you wanted a moment of silence for Diane Feinstein. I, I forgot to include that in. Do you want to do that now, Bob? Uh, after the show or after the podcast, we'll do that. You know, she. My joke was she took the early retirement plan from the U.S. Yeah, Senate, right? I thought that was a pretty good joke. And another thing I really liked. You die in the Senate, you get good benefits. That's, yeah. And another thing I liked that Mar did was the, uh, not to, I mean, Mitch McConnell is Mitch McConnell, but that the idea that he was buffering, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. And that was hilarious. <laughs> Just say I with Feinstein and then, yep. No buffering. No buffering. <laughs> anyway. Time to call it a career. Yeah, time to call it a career. I feel sorry for him, like I said. Uh, what else do we have to cover? You got anything else? Let's see. We covered debt rising faster than GDP, correct? Yeah, you're worried about that. I'm I worried am. about the debt now. I used to not be worried about it. Now I'm more worried about it. 
I, you know, the the one thing that gives me a little confidence is compared to some other countries such as Japan, but not just Japan, there's probably five or ten others. Our percentage of debt compared to GDP isn't that bad. That said, we're at approximately 123% debt to GDP right now. Yeah, the, the, the problem is, like you said, you kind of get... you. At some point, you get in a get in a spiral, and you lose you your start ability to, lose to raise control. rates. For instance, right, you yes. lose control of a lot of things that you used to have control over. That's my biggest concern. It's not just the a bit the debt, but at some point, if you if you don't take care of it, it's gonna it it has the ability to spiral out of control. Yeah, and I think endless wars and Ukraine's part of it. It's obviously costing us a lot of money. Uh, but there's a lot of reasons our debt is a problem now. And, and with interest rates rising, and now the Fed, they paused last month. And they, they still, I mean, rates are rising faster than they when they were raising them. So it's... It, it, starts to become a real concern and it can get we can get real deep in it real fast the current pace the u.s is going to add a trillion dollars in debt a month and for the last two weeks we've averaged 32 billion a day yeah it becomes some real numbers at some point yeah and again <laughs> i mentioned it earlier i think today it rose 25 275 billion in a day so we averaged 32 billion over the last two weeks one day 275 billion because of the, the rapid increase in rates i mean we're it's going to be interesting we got to figure that out and i know what your answer has been in the past you said it to me earlier we need to raise taxes raise I taxes i'll figure raise taxes is going to depress gdp i think you need to raise revenue streams so we do need to find some ways to raise revenue streams while reducing our spending. Yeah, I don't think cutting taxes was a great idea uh, during an economic boom, which is not usually when you cut taxes, but they did. Um, there was record tax revenue after that, though, Kevin. Yeah, but is it now? I have no idea. The I didn't look. The tax rates haven't, no, it's not. Um, the tax rates haven't changed, and we don't have record revenue. That's why it was record revenue, because we were in a, in a boob cycle. Um, so, unfortunately, you still have to deal with the, the lower rates when it's not, the GDP's not doing that well, right? Um, you can't what complicates adjust, this is commercial not, real estate, adjusted. too. Well, yeah. There's a lot of things going on, but we'll cover those in future podcasts, right? Yeah, hopefully our guests will join in, probably provide some insight. Yeah, we'll get some mix up. Well, uh, thank you everyone for listening. If you've listened all the way to this point, God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> I could recommend Cinnamon Blast Captain Morgan's. Maybe they'll be a sponsor of the next podcast because I think I'm literally the only one drinking it at this point. And 
and the people on the streets of LA. <laughs> the fine folks <laughs> on the streets of LA. Kevin uh, doesn't speak for me. Send me all the cinnamon blasts, Captain Morgan, you want. I'll enjoy your very fine product. All right. Good night, Bob. Good night, Kevin. Bye.